0: Each episode should connect you with someone else's story, but also leave you with practical tips and advice that you can use in your own life and in your own business. Hi guys, today we're speaking with Kat Elizabeth, the founder of boutique marketing agency Revenge Creative and a seasoned branding coach helping freelancers and small businesses improve their personal brands. In this episode,
1: we get Kat's tips on how to create a solid personal brand what it takes to launch your own courses, and what to actually expect when you launch a new product, service, or business.
0: We hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Kat. How are you today? I'm wonderful, thanks. How are you? We are so good. And you are calling in from not too far away. Do you want to tell our listeners where
2: you're calling in from? Yeah, sure. So I'm on the Gold Coast at the moment in Surfers Paradise, which is pretty amazing. It mm. is paradise, looking out at the, oh. the ocean. Although it's a bit grey today. So, Des- describe what you can see. <laughs> oh, I mean, I've closed the curtains, which is a bit boring because it's so <laughs> glary at the moment. But we li- literally live in like on the tenth floor of a, like a holiday type apartment place. So I stare out at the ocean every day. Like it's beachfront. Wow. Not bragging. I've lived in some really crappy little places <laughs> <laughs> in recent years, and I'm just enjoying the the change of scenery go ahead and enjoy it go
0: ahead and talk about it it's okay to brag We're thank all right. thank you. <laughs> Thanks. you worked hard to get there girl yeah um very so true. we want to know all about you um we want to know your whole story just whatever you want to share how did you become the woman that you are
2: today oh my goodness it's been a long and windy road <laughs> <laughs> i actually started out I mean my my whole I guess the first half of my life I was very focused on becoming a professional actor like in musical theatre and mm. I did that yeah. like I actually like so I grew up singing, dancing, acting when I hit I think I was about 19 I got my first agent and I got an audition to be in um, Jersey Boys like the original cast of Jersey Boys in Australia and wow. like went along for the experience and then got in and was like oh like okay like I guess this is, this is happening this is great um, and it really Felt like in kind of my early 20s that I had achieved my ultimate dream because that's all I'd ever thought about. And then I started doing the show and like a few weeks after opening night, realized, okay, so it's just a job. Um, This is interesting. (laughs) Wait, I'm not a star? (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah, the reality kicked in and it's like, nope, you've got to do eight shows a week. The exact same thing every single day. There's going to be someone out there in the audience watching to make sure that you don't like move a second too late or too soon. Uh, And it just like the reality really kicked in and I just thought, okay, I thought this was going to be creative. I thought this is going to be something very different because I had it in, on a pedestal and I think we often do that with our, yeah. our dreams yeah. from when we are a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I, look, I stuck with it. I mean, there were incredible things that came out of my time in musical theatre. I ended up doing it full time for three years, did a couple of shows, but just something was missing and all the things, all the reasons I got into acting in the first place didn't seem to be actually kind of like Lying I wasn't getting up. what I thought, like yeah. the, the creativity, and I really was always thinking okay, I'm going to build a platform so I can make some change. I can have a voice, do something meaningful.
0: Yeah. And I really
2: felt like just another number. Uh, which was a little upsetting, obviously, because, you <laughs> you know, you think you have everything figured out and then you realise you have nothing figured out. So <laughs> it was kind of like the beginning of the end. It was like the unravelling of everything I thought I was going to do and, and led to this huge pivot. Like I had to take a massive break. I, I turned down a contract and, and stopped everything. And in that kind of 12 months, I talk about this a lot. If, you've, if anyone has like ever come across <laughs> me, you know that I had my, like I call it the quarter life crisis.
0: <laughs> where Everybody. Everything. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> I did it big. I, I tend to like if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it big. So there was like a marriage breakup. There was nearly dying in hospital. Oh oh there was filing what? for bankruptcy. Wow. Yeah. So I managed to just like check everything off. I was like, cool. Well, I've kind of got all of the failures out of the way. Hopefully, <laughs> the big ones. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> now I get to start from scratch, which um, led me. That that was kind of like the springboard where because I didn't know what I was doing, I had no backup plan. I had to start with nothing, but I started with what I was really passionate about and excited about. I ended up deciding to write and produce a, a live show, and that actually got me realizing, oh my goodness, marketing and branding, this is really fun. Yeah, <laughs> this is really exciting and different and interesting. And so that kind of one thing led to another. I, you know, got a couple of like day jobs in in real estate doing marketing, and then I ended up meeting my partner today, who was in marketing as well. And I got a job in an ad agency. Hated the environment but realized, no, this is something I want to do. So I I ended up quitting and starting my copywriting, um, like freelance copywriting career, which was about coming up to six years ago now. And I've been self-employed ever since. And that eventually in time sort of I was, I guess the big shift for me was, I did the whole freelance thing where mm-hmm. I didn't treat it like a real business. I was just like another copywriter just pitching for these jobs, feeling like a nobody, working way too hard, yeah. you know, getting getting paid. But like at what cost? It really just felt like I was burning myself out. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. started to see that, okay, what's missing is that I don't have – I'm not a brand. Like I'm not – I don't have a personal brand. I don't really stand out, you know crowd. I'm just another copywriter. And so that was when I, I was actually reading um, Gary Vaynerchuk's book, Crushing It. And he talked about personal branding and mm-hmm. YouTube. And I was like, okay, Gary, like I'll start a YouTube channel. Uh, Not really okay, knowing Gary. what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Gary. Right, Thanks, then, Thanks, Gary. Thanks, <laughs> Gary. Oh, yeah, we're, we're pretty tight, you know, so, me, yeah. and me, me and Gaza. <laughs> so, yeah, that was about three years ago. And the I so I launched the YouTube channel. And then that's what sort of led me to go, right, there's a way of pulling everything together that I love. Yeah. You know, with the oh, acting background, yeah. creating video I love teaching. I was doing it anyway in the YouTube channel. So that led to creating courses and coaching and realizing so many people are coming to me for advice on branding specifically that maybe I should listen to them. Like maybe this should be what I do. (laughs) And so that is how the personal branding project was born.
1: Wow. And then you're also like just giving something back because that was another thing that you really wanted to do that you didn't feel like you were getting with theatre.
2: But now you're helping people and helping their businesses. That must be such a good feeling. Oh, it is. It's really nice. Like it was a long time coming, and I guess it happened kind of organically through the YouTube channel, where I was I was really trying to help actors actually with with the business and the mindset side of things, because I found that everyone is out there teaching you like how to do the craft of of acting or of just about anything. Like they teach you the skills so that you can like call yourself talented, and mm-hmm. then there is just none of like the realities of what actually goes into creating a su- successful career in absolutely any industry. Like I just feel like there's there's an undersupply of all of the, the, the stuff that we actually need for that longevity. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's so nice to like, obviously it's great doing it for free on YouTube, but I do find that obviously when people invest in themselves, yeah. that is when they see much bigger results. Yeah. So I love that I get to help people. I mean, I can help a very wide audience on YouTube and through my podcast, but yeah, the people that I get to work with one-on-one, I'm like, oh, I'm actually like, you know, playing a role in their in their journey now and, and helping them do all the things that I always wanted to be able to do, which is basically get paid to do what I love. Mm. Yeah.
1: And yeah. that's, so I think that's really interesting that you, you started the YouTube channel because that in itself is like a whole, you've got to market that and you've got a lot of content and there's a lot to do there to get a YouTube channel off the ground. What was the thing that you felt helped you to achieve that success with YouTube? Like what, what would your advice be to someone who, you know, wants to use YouTube and use their own personality
2: more to sell their business? I guess, I mean, there was two things and this is how I approach everything. There's always like the mindset piece and then there's the strategy piece. So Mm -hmm. from the mindset perspective... I made a commitment to a goal that was within my control. So, um, and I have my partner partially to thank for this because he was like, okay, so how many videos are you going to create before you give up on this thing? Yeah. (laughs) It was probably going to be a slow burn. Oh, wow. He sounds like my fiance. (laughs) He's very wise. (laughs) So I picked a number and I said, a (laughs) hundred. Which is a lot of videos. I, when I said it at the time, I had no idea that would probably require like yeah. hundreds or even thousands of hours of work. <laughs> um, but knew that that was going to be so much more powerful than saying, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna try and hit 10,000 subscribers right. because I can't control how many people are actually subscribing to me even though I can do check all the boxes, do all the things right, follow the strategies. Like it's going to take as long as it takes. Mm-hmm. But I could commit to creating those 100 videos and surely by the time I'd created 100 videos... I'm going to be a better person on the other side. I'm going to have a better channel. I'm going to have learnt so much. I would have built all this momentum, and so that was the big one was that I did that. And I like I hit my hundred. I probably I don't know what I'm at now. Probably 150. Like I've I've hit in some of my old videos because they're just not relevant to the channel anymore. But um, then the other side was. I did it myself for a long time t- taking in a lot of free content like mm. learning about YouTube from books and podcasts and <laughs> YouTube videos yeah. and just wasn't getting enough traction. I felt like there were a few pieces missing. So I ended up signing up and doing a like an actual course in YouTube SEO to make mm. sure I was really getting that traction. Yep. Um and that just that, that was definitely the like that final piece of the puzzle like oh I get it now. Okay, cool. And I can just follow this formula to a point obviously everything is like there's the strategy and a formula and then you've got to make it yours yeah Um, but that definitely sped up the growth of my channel um, and helped me to start building a lot more traction from like the vanity metric (laughs) perspective I guess yeah Um, so yeah so those are I guess the two sides of things what's some some YouTube SEO tips you can share um I mean (laughs) do your research obviously like we need to figure out If you want to be found by someone, what are they actually searching for? Like what are they struggling with right now and how can you meet them where they're at with your content? Um, You know, keeping in mind that the things that you want to talk about, they they might not be searching for yet. So if you want to reach a new audience, you actually have to show up for the things that they are searching for. Be really specific, like you're actually better off being very niche specific, even though it will probably get you less views, but you're Mm -hmm. going to attract a higher quality audience by making sure that like, for instance, if you are you know a business coach for a specific kind of audience like you help you know um, health professionals grow their businesses then make sure that they know that that's exactly what you're creating Um, don't just try and appeal to everyone like tips to grow your coaching business it's like no like tips for health professionals who are trying to grow this kind of business yeah Um, because then when they find you it's going to be so relevant to them um, and they're going to be so much more likely to choose your video over all of the generic results that mm. are popping up. Um, and make sure you actually, like there are optimization steps to take to make sure that whatever you're trying to rank for, like the ranking just means like showing up in the search results, uh-huh. make sure that you actually put those um, those keywords in your title, in the description, you know, name your video that way, you know, just all these little ways of kind of like putting in all these, these indicators to YouTube about what your video is about um, yeah. and get your videos transcribed as well so this isn't huh. just for accessibility which mm-hmm. is obviously really important um, but it also helps YouTube know what you're talking about as well the keywords
1: so are then in the transcription of yeah, exactly yeah.
2: really organically which is nice
1: oh that's really good tips thanks for that Kat. of course what do you feel like entrepreneurs and small business owners are doing wrong with their brand and why why do they come to you
2: mm-hmm. They are trying to be everything to everyone. (laughs) Um, So they're trying to be on all the platforms, doing all of the different strategies and a lot of the time are jumping to all of the stuff that feels like shiny and exciting, like jumping on trends, like things like reels and, you know, trying to just do all the things. But there is this missing piece where they haven't spent the time to sit down and go, who am I actually trying to reach? And not just, again, like not just like in that niche or that very broad demographic, but on like an emotional and a value level mm-hmm. of knowing who your person is and mm-hmm. then speaking their language which often means doing research having conversations yeah. um, and doing all of that slow burn stuff before you just try and put everything out there so they burn themselves out really quickly before they see the results and think that they've like you know that they're failing and it's like no there's just a, a missing piece of the puzzle but also just seeing what everyone else is doing and thinking, well, that person's successful, they're doing this strategy, I should just show up and do exactly that strategy. Instead of really taking the time to go, "What, what aligns with me? What is my personality type? What are my strengths? You know what kind of integrity do I have? Like, how do I want to show up, and what do I want to be known for? And making sure that that brand strategy actually comes from within, not just from the data and these like paint by number solutions that everyone is selling.
1: Yeah, that's good advice. It's something that I think is quite easy to do as well. If you're like desperately just trying to win business, you're like, please, I will be everything to everyone. <laughs> like,
2: just yeah, what can I do to please it. you? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, it's and you do like you you haggle on price. And you say, yes, I can do anything. Like I'm, I'm capable. And I, I would do this as a copywriter. I'm like, well, I'm a copywriter. Of course I can write anything. Yeah. But I just found that I was working with so many kinds of people that I was really exhausted. A lot of the work I was doing didn't light me up. Yeah. wasn't necessarily my strength. So I was doing a good job, but I could have done better if it was something that I actually loved writing and, and really understood. Mm. But that kind of scarcity kicks in where you're like, well, if I say no to this, what if I'm not going to be able to pay the bills? Next month, yeah, and so we often spend like anywhere from like a year to three years in that feast or famine mode of just saying yes to everything So we're worried it'll dry up, and then yeah, just staying very broad and very desperate. I know that yeah. sounds terrible, but I, yeah. I can say it because I've lived it. Um, rather than being really intentional about the kind of work, like the people that you want to work with, the projects that you want to work on, um, and then really standing true to that and allowing it to come through in everything that you say and everything you create in your brand so that you can actually become very magnetic to those kinds of people. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think that 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 resonates no matter who you are, right? Like that resonates...
0: Whether you're an entrepreneur or not, like really staying true to your purpose and then seeking the type of work, whether it's self-employed or employed, that Mm -hmm. that satisfies you like that is one of the, the keys to success that we often overlook.
2: Absolutely, yeah, and you're right. Even if you're trying to get a job, it, again, there can be this feeling of like, well, I just need to get anything because right. I have to pay the bills. Yeah. But you know, have you ever thought about what would happen if you actually really committed to a particular kind of job and a kind of company, and you just started kind of embodying those values and what they need from you, so right. that when you go mm-hmm. into that interview, there's this quiet confidence that like I'm the perfect person for this job, yeah. not oh, just please give it to me, I'll take it, like <laughs> yeah. anything will do. Someone else, yeah. yeah. It's so <laughs> true
1: because like when you bring that desperate energy to any situation it's a real turn off for like anyone like whether it's someone is hiring you buying from you like dating you like that yeah. like <laughs> desperado is just like ode to despair like just don't no.
2: no. <laughs> just don't to, it. yeah. to it. Just don't to it. And it's easier said than done, I know. Like, it's like, okay, great. Easy for you to say, like, you're making the money, but, like, I've, I've been there and it's a discipline. Like, it really is, like, a mental and emotional discipline mm-hmm. to really trust that you have amazing value to offer. Yeah. But it's not going to be seen. People aren't going to see that value if they're not your person. Yeah. So the more that you say yes to these people who don't see it, the more you're actually just undermining your own value and then – the people who really should be working with you aren't going to even notice you. Yeah. So yeah. it has to it has to start with you making that stand for going no, I, this isn't the line in the sand that I'm drawing. Yeah. Um and you know, you can start with small little things. Like I my first niche was kind of with with copywriting was got like okay, I love health wellness beauty and fashion mm-hmm. like that's still huge but it was a lot smaller than what I was doing where I was working for like I was working for law firms and financial stuff and like these random commercial safe companies like just anything under the sun at yeah. least it went yeah. narrower yeah and I started to get known for that and build up extra confidence there more people started sending work my, my way and then as I got busier I was able to increase my prices and then I narrowed my niche further so I don't think it has to be this all or nothing like hmm. you suddenly become super narrow overnight yeah yeah. But just think, what's the next step down from this where that's we can just advice. at least eliminate some of the crap that I yeah. don't need to be doing? Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah.
1: yeah. I think that's that's something that everyone can take away from this. Awesome. So now you have your coaching and course business. So alongside what you're doing um, with, with branding. So can you tell us a bit about the Personal Branding Project and
2: what people get, why they want it, everything? Yeah, sure. So – I work with my, I guess my my own approach has shifted as I've worked with people over the last couple of years because I used to think people were just coming to me for brand strategy. And then I realized there was this disconnect where there were a lot of people who knew what they should be doing. They may have, may have even been given strategies like they'd sign up for courses and they just weren't implementing them. They weren't sticking with them consistently or they were putting the content out but not really believing in what they were saying. So there was this lack of confidence and it was just, it was fascinating and I was like, okay what is going on here? Like clearly just me handing someone a strategy is not going to get them the results because there's so much else that goes into us building a successful brand. And so I looked back on my own career, I guess, and saw that when I started to see huge results was when I was also doing the internal work. I was doing a lot of personal development, working on identity level stuff where I had to rewrite money stories that I had and deal with imposter syndrome and truly own my worth. And, mm. you know, it all felt a bit like woo at first, but I was like, well, <laughs> this is it though. Like it is, we we have to really believe in what we're doing, believe in ourselves or nothing we put out there is going to resonate. Mm. So now what I do is, is I created a framework that really brings those two like two things together I mean it kind of brings three things together I talk about the self belief the strategy and the support hmm. and how we need all three working together to become that in-demand brand. Yeah. And so the the self-belief piece is really identifying like what's holding you back. Um, you know, where are you blocking yourself or self-sabotaging? Where are you not truly owning your worth? Mm-hmm. So that we can then start to build out a strategy that feels really aligned. And that's the and foundation. Technical. <laughs> uh, exactly. Like that. that <laughs> mm-hmm. is what has to go down first. And yeah. That's just why so many people, and this is where, you know, if people aren't doing that, they've got the shiny object syndrome. They just keep buying all, like the mini products like every every day you're buying some other little $37 toolkit that promises to solve everything and yet yeah. you're still like a year later you're still in the same position. Mm. So it's a certain kind of person that comes to work with me because they have acknowledged the fact that there is more to it than this. They've been able to admit that maybe they have been holding themselves back and it wasn't just the strategy. And once we get to start working on that, then we get to the fun stuff obviously, which which is building out that that brand strategy which is really about like I said before, identifying who you want to help, the way you transform them, like what is that piece of value, the way you're going to change someone's life. Mm-hmm. Then we talk about how you're going to get visible, how are you going to attract your dream client into your circle. And then we talk about positioning and messaging and making sure that what you're talking about is really resonating as well as establishing you as an expert so that you're not just sounding like everybody else. And then how all of those pieces connect to help you actually make money, which is mm-hmm. clearly the important part that again, a lot of people get caught up in all the pretty stuff, have a perfect Instagram feed, but it's not translating to actually. Sales or landing job opportunities or anything like that. So we've mm-hmm. got to sort of connect those pieces. And then it's about consistent consistency and sustainability, really like learning from the results and optimizing and continually revisiting all of those foundations to make sure they're still aligned. Yeah. Um, and so this framework is at the core of everything that I do. So I, you know, I have a course called Scene Heard Paid Academy that it, you know, is more of like a, a do-it-yourself along with a bit of, you know, the coaching and the community support. Yeah. Um and then the one on one is the same thing. We're just like we just obviously can go a lot deeper mm-hmm. uh, and we often move a lot faster. But it's the same kind of thing. Like no matter where in the journey you are, it doesn't matter if this is the first day that you're thinking about personal branding or you've been doing it for ten years. Yeah. None of these steps can be skipped. <laughs> you yeah. have to do all of them or is that there's gonna be something missing. It's really smart because you've obviously
1: got your your service based business which is you know doing the branding and, and copywriting and everything but courses are a brilliant extra revenue stream for someone in services um or as a business owner that can just be you know if it's something that people are doing on their own obviously you, you manage like the groups and and you can do some one-on-one as well but mm-hmm. it's actually a really awesome way of having some like passive income to, to build a course, and it's something that I think a lot of people think about. Um, some maybe have given it a go or, like, thought about doing it. What would your advice be to someone who is in a service-based industry that is thinking about doing a course themselves um, In how you marketed it, how you, what you run the platforms on, like, sorry, what platform you run the courses on, mm-hmm.
2: everything, can you give us a little insight into this part, like the behind the scenes? Yeah, of course. Um, look, I've I've done I've made all the mistakes in the book. <laughs> <laughs> um, creating courses and marketing and selling them—it's a whole different beast to selling services. Yes, and a lot of people kind of skip. Sometimes people want to go straight to creating courses before they've even fully established themselves mm-hmm. as a service provider, mm-hmm. which can be a little bit risky because you don't know your audience that well and it's it can be difficult. Like you need to have a framework essentially. Mm-hmm. There needs to be something repeatable and scalable that you can package up that really does still allow people to get that transformation without you being there doing the work for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would say the first thing is like really figure out what is your framework? What is this transformation that you help people with? Can it be packaged? up so that people could guide themselves through that process yeah. mm-hmm. number two validate your idea oh my goodness I wish I'd known I wish I'd done more of this work went before I launched my very first course get out there have conversations with people who you believe are your ideal audience like the ideal person for your course and find out from them like where are they at where are they struggling what have they tried before what do they believe is going to help them solve this problem and then find out if the, the idea that you have for your course is something they would even be interested in yeah. because we, we can make a lot of assumptions and they can cost us a lot of money like you can launch a, a course and then just find out oh my goodness no one even wants it like or I've, I've positioned it wrong or The messaging isn't resonating. So this is the stuff that you should spend the most time doing. Mm -hmm. And then I would recommend doing a beta type launch where you actually can be creating the content as you go if you want in a very like minimum viable product type way and get real live people through this program, even if it's the bare bones version, and see how you were able to help them, what worked really well, what didn't, before you sort of like go into the effort of creating that very fancy, beautiful, polished, you know, high production value of your course yeah, Uh, because yeah you want to know that it's like the product comes first it has to be amazing it has to really offer high value and a transformation without you requiring you to be there offering tons of feedback and and holding people's hands through that process Mm -hmm. Um, so do that and once you've got that in place the marketing gets so much easier because you've also got confidence in it like there is this, there can be a disconnect where you're like self belief thing i'm not sure if it works <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly self belief so that is going to help solve a lot of that and then the funny thing is like everyone is like oh live launches are the way evergreen is the way like webinars live challenges everyone swears that their way is the way the fact is you can sell a course just about any way you want as long as it's a strategy that is aligned with how you want to show up because obviously launches can be really exhausting for some people but they can be really energizing and exciting for other people so like do your research and pick something pick any strategy and just stick with that one strategy for a launch or two and see how it feels and then you can make decisions like do I want to tweak it do I want to try a different different approach you know but just just know that there is no single way to be a successful course creator. Yeah. There are so many different ways. So don't feel like you have to do it just because this person swears that they had a seven-figure launch with their method. You know, there are other people who had a seven-figure oh launch yeah. with a different method. So it's like that's all just marketing. They just and want to sell you their product.
1: Yeah, and then this whole thing about like if you haven't done a seven-figure launch, then you somehow aren't successful. Like <laughs> they're like unicorns. Like you can't yeah. compare yourself oh, to that my kind goodness. of stuff.
2: And they don't share what went in to, like the years leading up to that like and how they, much it, Facebook so ad rare. spend they've done, like this. The- <laughs> exactly, what is the actual profit? Yeah. what was the size of their team? What was the size of their email list before they launched? Honestly, it's there is just way too much hype around these launches and it's all mm. because, again, they're selling a product that promises that kind of result. Like your first launch is going to be amazing. I'll be completely transparent. The first launch I did, it wasn't for the personal branding project. It was another sort of like a business I thought I was going to have. Yeah. And I did the Amy Porterfield's Digital Course Academy, and amazing program. I love her, yeah. She's incredible. Yeah. And like all, like all the power to her, wonderful program. I know like I did the first version of it. I know she's updated it twice since because she's been learning from her own audience. But basically it promised step-by-step to get you launched, have a successful launch. And so I had this idea in my head, I'd set this like financial target for myself I did everything she said to do and then I had this flopped launch yeah <laughs> and yeah, was gutting yeah and I thought I did something wrong and it wasn't it's was like it was a brand new business mm-hmm. I had no email list for the business like this version of the business that I was building so it was in a totally different niche I had a very short runway to my launch like there were all these different things I was yeah. you know I was using Facebook ads to a very cold audience that weren't necessarily the right target market you know my there were things that that my webinar that were off the lack of self-belief meant that I was terrified when I got to the selling part. Like there were so many different things. Mm. And even though she gave me everything she possibly could to set me up for success, sometimes you just have to launch again and again and again. And each time you learn from it and you get better and you get more confident and you optimize your offer and your webinar and this and that. So just know that launching anything like don't expect that first launch or even necessarily the third or fourth launch Hmm. to be this life-changing experience that's either going to like define your success or failure. You, You just keep showing up, launching again and again, and you will get there. And that's what most of these success stories have done anyway. I mean, Amy Porterfield talks about her first launch. She made like, $400. $400. Yeah. So yeah. we all have to start somewhere but it's just like don't be comparing where you're at right now to the Amy Porterfields and the Jenna Coaches yeah. of the world. Yeah. Like they yeah. are miles ahead in their journey and that's great. You literally just spoke to my to soul. Focus on. Yeah like because
1: <laughs> I just had a launch and I was like expecting a seven figure launch like even though I didn't have seven figures worth of product to sell. <laughs> she was
0: like it's gonna be a smash. Yeah and everything
1: how. you just said was like oh my god yeah this is so true and you just you do have to just keep going at it and not compare and keep optimizing I think that is such good advice and that answer and that that just what you just said is the realest thing that anyone's said like for ages so thanks for sharing that because that it's so important My to pleasure. be authentic but that's why we do this podcast because we want to you know communicate with other entrepreneurs that this is real life. Like these are the struggles that you go through and it's not an overnight success. An overnight success is six years in the making. I think we had, I guess they like recently Mm -hmm. that was
2: like, so yeah, it's so true. Um, Yeah. Look, my final piece of advice around that is that if everything we're working for is just about that milestone, like once I hit that milestone, I'll be a success. I'll be happy. I'll have more freedom. I'll have... We've already got something's already broken. Like we have to learn to enjoy the process, or you're doing the wrong thing. Yeah. So if you can't even enjoy the failures in some way and showing up before you've seen those results, then Mm -hmm. you you need to do some work on what's going on in the inside. Because once you can enjoy it and and see that the I guess the the joy and the and the excitement in the journey in the struggle, Mm -hmm. that those are the people that end up being hugely successful because they're not just waiting on that one big thing to suddenly make them like it's just about the day-to-day
0: yeah yeah they just love doing it basically they do it because they love it exactly yeah Mm
2: -hmm.
1: so this is honestly like I've completely agree with everything you said it's been amazing to to hear you say everything and just kind of reconfirm what I already knew about (laughs) launches and about um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um what would be your like final piece of advice to someone listening on like marketing funnels or um you know like what the best like software to use that you can share just as we kind of close this interview which has been
2: awesome Yeah I guess it would just be Number 1, that means okay, multiple multiple pieces. Number 1, <laughs> keep it simple. Yeah. But number 2, remember this is just this is about your audience. This is not about you and you can have like again, like you could have Kajabi or Thinkific or MemberVault or all of those things are going to work. Stop making it about The software, and make it about your people. And if you can empathize with them, understand where they're struggling, where they need your help, and how you can help them, and you really just connect with them in that way, Mm -hmm. everything springs off that. Um, And you realize it's so much less about all those fancy little details. Like again, they're just distractions. Like there are so many people out there trying to sell you so many different things. Just just pick your thing, pick your lane. (laughs) If you know, obviously, if you need advice, go to someone who's already done it before you, and they can probably save you some of the the heartache, but just know that you're still gonna make mistakes. No one piece of software and no one single strategy is gonna be thing that solves everything in your business. Yeah. Um, but if you start with, you know, start with you and, and how you feel about what you do and then you just really genuinely want to show up and serve your audience, whoever that is, like that, that could be someone who's going to hire you or, you know, a client or a customer or a student. Um, that is actually where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> and that will guide every decision that you make um, and then the rest is just like a technicality. Yeah. That's great advice. Well, thank
1: you so much. Kat. it's been awesome speaking to you and you've got such an amazing energy. I literally love listening to you and I think you've got so much to offer. If someone wants to find you, where can they actually
2: find your courses and your your podcast that you have on your YouTube channel, everything? Yeah, sure. So everything can basically be found at personalbrandingproject.co, so .co, or you can come and find me on social at i am cat elizabeth and feel free to send me a DM and have a chat because I love it. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.
0: Chat soon. Thanks.
2: Thanks. This podcast was brought to you by Invoice2Go.
0: We're an invoicing and billing app that helps business owners work and get paid from anywhere at any location around the globe. We're helping close the gender-based pay gap. Because the current U.S. pay gap sits at around 19%, listeners of the Female Founders Network podcast get exactly 19% off of any subscription. Just enter the code EMPOWERWOMEN at checkout.